Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best non-MCU Marvel movie. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Okay. <laughs> just when you think you're 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 getting out of the Marvel world, we pull you back in. That's right. I you you said that with you said okay with such a like. Well, this one's a doozy. Well, it's there. Are, there's a lot to cover. Kyle McCowan, thank you for the suggestion. Yes, today we are talking about the best Marvel movie that is not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's and right. I realize as we are doing this, in choosing this topic, we are burning a lot of topics. We are burning. Are we? Well, yeah, we're burning best Spider-Man movie, best X-Men movie. Yes. Um. I guess that's the two biggest ones that we're burning. Well, we ha- I think best we Fantastic done. Four movie. Is that we a topic that people? We did do Best Spider-Man movie. It was Homecoming. Oh, interesting. Now, it came out before another one that I think is a heavy contender to win this category. Yeah, this is this. I feel like this one is one that is uh, that there is a clear front runner, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. That clear front runner, of course, being uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, I have three finalists in my head. Oh, for, already? For which one of the best. But before we talk about the good ones. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to to get delve a little bit into the history of Marvel films and and talk about some of the terrible ones. Uh I think that's a great idea. Anytime you say I think it's important first to delve into the history of fill in the blank, you know I am going to be on board. You're into it. Yeah. So yeah. comic book movies weren't really a thing for a very long time. There were serials, there was a Shazam slash Captain Marvel serial. There was a Captain America serial in 1944 when it was Timely Comics and not mm-hmm. Marvel Comics. Uh, Superman, obviously, and Batman and Wonder Woman had all been either on television or on the big screen by this point. We'd already mm-hmm. had Richard Donner's Superman film, but they hadn't really made a decent theatrical Marvel film. We got a Doctor Strange television, like Doctor Strange and the Hulk and Spider-Man had all appeared on television and mm-hmm. then animated forms. A lot of different characters have been floating around. You had Spider-Man and his amazing friends, the Incredible Hulk again. But in 1986, we get the first Marvel theatrical film feature length. Do you know what movie that was, Mark? Uh, well, I do because I have it in front of me. Would you have known otherwise? Uh, I would not know. I, I don't think I would have, because I don't think of this as a comic book movie. I do, however, think of this as, and I'm not going to lie, one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. I enjoyed it too. I saw it a million times, but yeah. I can objectively see that it is absolute lunacy. I feel like I knew at that time that it wasn't good, but it did drive me to read the comic. This is a comic book character. And I don't know that we get this film. We Maybe we don't get Marvel films in the theater if it isn't for the success of Star Wars. And here's why. Because George Lucas decides he's going to make a film 
out of a Marvel comic called Howard the Duck. Ah, oh, I love and it. In, in 1986, he does just that with Leah Thompson. Who was my first movie crush. Yes. Jeffrey Jones is the villain. And uh, Tim Robbins. And Chip Zine, Broadway star Chip Zine, as the voice yeah. of Howard the Duck. Which is another one of the things that I like, another reason in retrospect sure. that I loved it. Because years later, I saw the famous... Into the Woods uh, recording that every musical theater nerd I know watched starring Bernadette Peters and Chip Zine. And I remember watching it and going, I know that voice. Where do I know that? That voice that's singing just the, uh, or it takes two and uh, no more. And all these great Sondheim songs like, oh, my God, that's Howard the Duck. That's right. So Howard the Duck was a failure. On almost any level <laughs> you can imagine. But it is notable for being the first Marvel film. I know we've talked about it before. So I think we've done best Marvel movie. And it mm-hmm. pretty much came down to the MCU. This is yeah. with my dad. Versus we'll Howard the Duck. Revisited it. Yes. We'll revisit it probably again in a year or two. Yeah, look, they've, they've, they've finished a big phase. We may want to re, yeah, you know, we, check that one out again in about five years. I was going to say, I, I think every time we get to the end of a phase, which is mm-hmm. like three years or so. Mm-hmm. It's good to go back and revisit. But let me ask you this before, yeah. before we jump into that, while we're on this topic. Sure. I wonder, and this might sound like heresy to, uh, to your ears, but has the MCU had its moment? No. Okay. Cause I feel like the MCU up through Endgame, Endgame to me felt like Deathly Hallows part two. Or Return of the King. Like, it felt like the culmination of a giant project that will, the likes of which will never be seen again, even though I just gave three examples. Um, <laughs> and now what they make after that is, it's kind of like when the Eagles did their Hell Freezes Over tour. I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think th- this is the difference. When you look at the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. and those three books, and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which is uh, seven books, mm-hmm. turned into eight films. You're seeing a completed literary work, that, right? That is since, but but it, but does does this Marvel iteration, like using um, Infinity Gauntlet, like does it not feel like a complete literary work has been finished? It does because that particular saga has been told, mm-hmm. but in the world of comics. That's what happens. There are big events. Everybody comes together. Then everybody goes and tells their own stories until they're brought together by something else. There's so many giant stories in comic books, and you're dealing with now 50 years, almost 60 years Mm -hmm. of stories of all these different characters. They haven't even scratched the surface of what they can do with even individual characters. I mean, Thor didn't even really start going until his third movie. And there's more, there's more of his story to tell. There's more of the guardians to tell. There's an entire cosmic quadrant. There are characters like the Fantastic Four, who we'll discuss on this episode, and the X-Men, who we'll also discuss in this episode, that haven't even debuted in the MCU yet. So there are so many more big stories. And they're, they're also very smart about taking a big movie and following it up with a smaller movie. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man Far From Home, while it takes place all over Europe, is a more self-contained story about that character and and gives us a little bit idea of what the world is like now after the snap and then the blip yeah. of people returning. 
So it, it feel, I think the reason why you would think that, which is a natural thing to think is that's what we're trained to, to see in, in film. It, well, also because it's completed. Yeah. Because I look at Endgame and that scene in Endgame where Doctor Strange opens up all the portals and every character from the MCU shows up in one place versus every villain in the MCU showing up in one place. And I look at it and I go, well, this is as big as movies can get. Prove me wrong, Kevin. I, I think you're going to find that there's, a, that there is a lot more to come. Yeah. And that's what's exciting about it is that it's, it's doing something that's never been done before and that it's, it's taken a comic book world where you have all these different characters and brought them together. Mm-hmm. Not only in their own movies, which are interconnected, then they start showing up in each other's stories, whether it's for a little bit like Doctor Strange and Ragnarok or whether it's like the Hulk, who's in the entirety pretty much of Ragnarok. These characters are in one another's lives and they come together and then go apart and come together again. So we may not see another Avengers movie for a few years, mm-hmm. but there's plenty to tell in that time. And I think you're going to find that the, that they're going to go in some very interesting directions. And I, I'm very excited for it. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, my friend, I'm excited. You don't want, you don't want to see Buff Kumail in the Eternals next year. Oh, yeah. Buff Kumail is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. Come on. I did love that image from Comic-Con of all mm-hmm. of them standing there. And isn't Jon Snow one of them? He is going to be. He is going to be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I know his name is Kit Harrington, but I just watched all of Game of Thrones this last year. And sure. in my brain, he's Jon Snow. I understand. Yeah. So, again, we get 1986. Howard the Duck shows up. Mm-hmm. is a flop 1989 we get a version of the punisher with dolph lundgren also a flop mm-hmm. uh, we get a 1990s roger corman held the rights to the fantastic four and he had to make a movie before losing them and he made a terrible fantastic four movie that was which has never, never been released. released no but there are bootlegs i have a bootleg of it really it's, it's is it good it's it's so bad it's good and All also right. so bad it's bad <laughs> I mean, it's hard to take these stories and, and even with like the height of the technology that we would have had in 1990, it would have been tough to make a good movie. And they did not get anywhere close to the best technology we had at that time. So it is, it is an abomination of a movie. Uh, there's also a terrible Captain America made during that time with Matt Salinger, the son of JD Salinger as Captain America. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. It's another terrible movie. There are a lot of terrible movies. Yeah. Um, well, this was before people went, um, yeah, let's make people enjoy comic book movies. Let's yeah. put money in them. Exactly. This is back when a comic con was, you know, one convention center hall with all of the artists there and the hardcore fans showing up. Absolutely. So there are a lot of movies. I, the, what are some other movies that are definitely not going to win? Uh, both versions of The Punisher. So that includes the Thomas Jane Punisher with John Travolta as the villain, which mm-hmm. is not a the worst movie ever. Just isn't great. I think John Bernthal's Punisher is the best one I've seen uh, in in media so mm-hmm. far outside of the comics. I should say there are a bunch of franchises. Yes. That we can actually almost break this down by the franchise. Okay. And pull the best movie from each of those because there are a lot of – there's a lot in here, and there's whole franchises that are not going to win. I'm looking at you, 2003's Daredevil, followed by 2005's Elektra. Yeah, very bad. But, you know, but the Blade trilogy was awesome. Yeah, I like those a lot. That really kind of helped. Blade helped pave the way for X-Men. Mm-hmm. It helped prove that a Marvel 
or that a comic book movie could be commercially viable because those made money. Did and, Blade seem like, but when you, when I think of Blade, I don't think of it being, I know it is a comic book. Right. But I think of the movie Blade as being its own thing that's based on a comic book, but Blade to me is, it's not, oh, that comic book movie Blade. It's that, oh, Wesley Snipes fighting vampires movie. Absolutely. Cause you don't know the comic book character. And I wasn't super familiar right. with him either, but for, uh, for Hollywood, for mm-hmm. the studio system, you look at it and go, well, this is a comic book movie. If this doesn't do well, we shouldn't make any more comic book movies. Right. It was very clear that it was based on Marvel character. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't shy away from the fact that it was based on a comic book and it did well. And that helped studios get over the idea that, that a comic book movie couldn't be successful if, if it didn't have Batman or Superman in it. Mm-hmm. Cause those were the only movies that had really been successful up to that point. Yeah. This is also was, is at a time where I think in the mid, early to mid nineties, that was when Marvel started licensing all their characters for film in order right. to make money because they were, they were not doing well. At right. All. Which came on the heels of 1989's Batman, which cracked the door wide open for comic book movies. I know that's DC, yeah. but no, still, it's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And not, but nothing Marvel had been successful until Blade. And, and yeah. again, Batman, even they saw diminishing returns by 1997, you have Batman and Robin, which was a flop. Mm-hmm. So around the same time, I think 97 or 98 was the first Blade movie. And that comes along and goes, Oh, you can, you can still make successful comic book films. So let's look at some of these franchises. Sure. Um, let's break it. I'd say let's break it down by the franchises. Okay. Uh, because we have the Blade movies, mm-hmm. the X-Men movies. Yes. The Spider-Man movies. Yes. The Ghost Rider movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the Fantastic Four movies. Yes. And now the Deadpool movies. Yes. That seems like it breaks down into those five groups. Right. Blade, X-Men, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, Fantastic Four, and Deadpool. So six, sorry. I think we can right away eliminate the Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, it just hasn't been done properly. The Corman one is terrible. The one that came out most recently with Miles Teller and, uh, was it Mara Rooney? Yeah, the unlikable four. Or Rooney Mara or whoever. Kate Mara. That's who it was. Yeah. That whole movie, like that whole movie, uh, I mean, but it's got amazing actors in it. Like they're all great actors, but the story they're telling is, Hey, remember that time those teenagers got a DUI and superpowers? Yeah. It, it's bad. It's yeah. very, very bad. The best ones that have been made, and this is not saying that they are good, are the ones with Ion Grufford and uh, what's his name? The Kamish. Yeah. Michael Chick Alba and Chris Evans. And Chris Evans as the yeah. best part of those movies as the Human Torch. He's a blast. Yeah, I forget that before he was the stoic Captain America, he was the smart Alec Human Torch. Yeah, and great as both. Yeah, I loved his Human Torch. He was my absolute favorite part of those movies. Yeah, and I liked Rise of the Silver Surfer. I thought that was a cool movie. It was okay. Again, I don't think any of these are going to beat the best Fantastic Four movie. Still, I don't think beats the worst Spider-Man movie on this list. The best Fantastic Four movie doesn't beat the worst Blade movie, which yeah. is Trinity, which still isn't that terrible. Yeah. So, goodbye, Fantastic Four. That's goodbye, gone. Fantastic Four. Uh, what about the Ghost Rider movies? Did I mention those as one of the things? Yeah, you did. I, sorry. I, I know that, uh, I, I know what a big fan of I love Nick Johnny Cage is, <laughs> or, or Nicholas Cage. Johnny Cage. From Johnny Mortal Cage. Combat. I love, I love Nicolas Cage so much and his just screaming as his head turns into a flame. Yeah. It's just not, they're not good movies. Yeah. And when your version of a comic book character has been 
usurped by the television version, which was when uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had a run with Ghost Rider, which was amazing. Yep. Uh, and they made him dark and brooding and not a villainous character, but like, you know, he's always been conflicted. Yeah. But subtly conflicted in the hands of, and I forgive me for not knowing the actor's name who played him on the show, who was amazing. Right. Gabriel Luna. Gabriel Luna. The subtle torment of Gabriel Luna is so much better for that character than the wild, outlandish, over-the-top brooding of Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good version of the character. I mean, there are two, there's the Johnny Blaze character, and then there's, there's the, uh, Robbie Reyes, who's the version that Gabriel Luna plays. Right. Which I like the Robbie Reyes version better. Yeah. I mean, like the, the brother in the wheelchair and the like him working on cars in LA. Like it's just a cool character. Yeah. Like him being this, this cool motorhead as opposed to Johnny Blaze, who is what he's a daredevil, like evil Knievel kind of guy. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 He was like a stunt driver, makes a deal and. He's bound to hell. He's got the, he doesn't have the hell charger like Robbie Reyes does. He's got his motorcycle with the flaming mm-hmm. wheels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, those don't work. Those, they don't work as movies. Sorry. Yeah. Two over the top. Not going right. win. We can get rid of them. The Punisher series is not going to win. We already nope. said the uh, Daredevil series is not going to win. So what's left is X-Men movies, Deadpool movies and Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I do want to say, I just want to talk about how terrible Ang Lee's Hulk is. <laughs> it's, it's, is there real, a slow motion dove in it at some point? There's no slow motion dove, but there are Hulk dogs. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But is that the one where he picks up a tank by the, uh, where he picks up a tank by the gun and swings it around like it's the hammer throw at the Olympics? No, wasn't that in, was or was that, that in the, the was that Ed in the, uh, one? the Ed Norton one? Anyway, I feel like that's Maybe. that scene's in every Hulk movie, isn't it? Yeah, he throws a lot of stuff. Yeah, and also, like, you look at a tank, and you're like, well, that looks like a big, terrifying thing to humans, and a Olympic hammer for the Hulk to throw to Hulks. Yes, that's right. All right, so let's talk. What do you want to talk? What do you want to tackle first? X-Men movies or uh, Spider-Man movies? I want to. I actually want to put Deadpool in the finals. Deadpool the first, one. the first Deadpool. I think Deadpool one. I like Deadpool two a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, but they're both very good in that they capture the meta humor of Deadpool. They don't pull back. They get to be R-rated films. Yeah. That's one thing that Fox did really well and, and kudos to Ryan Reynolds for being one of the guys sort of pushing mm-hmm. it through. And it just like feels right and is executed really, really well. I think it's a pretty perfect movie to the point. That they have not Disney or Kevin Feige has hasn't said anything about recasting Deadpool or how they're going to deal with Deadpool, but it feels like that could be something that where they keep him as he is. Mm-hmm. They can sort of wait to bring him in. And do they have rights to use him at some point? They own him because they bought Fox. Oh, that's right. The only characters that they don't have the rights to are the Spider-Man universe. Gotcha. So they have to work in a deal. And this is a good timing for this since it was announced on Friday that Sony and Disney reached an agreement to produce another Spider-Man film and that Spider-Man would show up in at least one more MCU Yeah, movie. I just saw that on uh, on Nerdist TV. Yeah. Thanks. Shout out to Amy Vorpal for giving me some great news. That's right. So there's more of that. We may see Venom show up in the MCU as well. Mm-hmm. I, Venom is not going to win. Venom is a a not good movie. Yeah. 
I did not enjoy it. I watched it on a plane and that is the best I can say about it. But I do think that first Deadpool is a finalist. I would a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You fall in love with that character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. And Ryan Reynolds is great because he can snark it up with the best of them, but you can really, you can fall in love with that guy so easy. Yes. You know what I mean? He's so, ch- I mean, it, you know, there's a reason he's, uh, Van Wilder. He's the world's most charming dude. <laughs> he is Van Wilder. Right? I don't hate that movie. I don't either. Deadpool is Van Wilder because he's so freaking charming. But I will say, I do want to give a shout out to the time travel sequence at the end of Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. To the credits where he goes through time and he kills, uh, first he kills the version of Deadpool that appears in X-Men Wolverine Origins. Mm-hmm. And then he kills himself right before he does the Green Lantern movie. Yeah, he kills, yeah, Deadpool comes and kills Ryan Reynolds, which is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, Deadpool 2, uh, 2 I really, really enjoyed. The notion of family that they create in Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. And the pulling of some of the X-Men from that universe. Yes. It's, yeah, it's just, it's a really, it's a great movie. They're both great. Yeah, they are. They are, but I think the original. Yeah, that cracked the door open. Absolutely. So I put that up there. All right. So Deadpool's in the finals. Now, to take into the finals, we're going to need, I'm going to guess, one X-Men movie and one Spider-Man movie. Okay. So let's start with the X-Men. Okay. I'm a, personally, because I love an origin story, I love all the actors in it. I think McAvoy's amazing. I think Jennifer Lawrence is amazing. I think Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender's amazing. I think Eddie Gathegi is great. And that is first class. Is my personal favorite. You mentioned in our previous episode that you enjoyed early 1960s New York. Well, this is what? Early 1960s upstate New York? Yes. They deal with politics. They deal with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. I love the time travel stuff in Days of Future Past and the fact that it combined both worlds uh, where you've got Ian McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart, but you also have Fassbender and McAvoy. But I just, I just loved First Class. Like I, I just, but that's me. I'm a sucker for a let's bring the band together story. I, I like it a lot too. I. It th- sounds like you're going to have a butt on the end well, of that. No, it's interesting to think like the X Men movies have seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that original run of which I think X Two is the best. The second one. What was that? Remind me what was happening in X Two. X Two is the one, uh, where Stryker has taken. Uh, his son who has the ability to control minds and is using him. Oh, right, right, right. Mutants. Every, yeah. Somebody's trying to wipe out all mutants in every movie. But yeah. It gives you but that one has a cool sort of like, uh, born, born movie vibe to it. Yeah. Wolverine's actually killing people in it. Like he's doing Wolverine things that you don't really get in the first X-Men. First X-Men was exciting just to see the X-Men on film. Yeah. Second one took it a step further and was better. The Last Stand was was an abomination. You did I you know what? I really liked The Last Stand. Well, then they tell the story again in Dark Phoenix, which is also not great. Why is it so hard to tell the story of Phoenix, do you think? I think there's more to it than just that what well, than just all, look at her get mad. There's no origin to the Phoenix power when it appears in X2. It appears mm-hmm. briefly because Jean Grey sacrifices herself, mm-hmm. and then she comes back and she's Dark Phoenix. In the comics, she gets it while they're in space, which they actually handle a little bit better. In, in the new Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. But they tried to marry the two together. I do think as a reboot, quote-unquote reboot, to go back in time to the origin of, of even Xavier and Magneto mm-hmm. is a very good way to go. I like Kevin yeah. Bacon in it. I do think that is a very good movie. Possibly of all the X-Men team movies, it is the best. Yeah. First class, you mean? Yes. I mean, and the like, 
there are so many great big epic moments in that. Yeah. Everyone on the team is amazing, but there are some also some really intense personal moments in that. I think Fassbender's performance in that movie. Yeah. Is a Marvel villain for the ages. Well, it does a great job. You know, they establish in the original X-Men film. Mm hmm. I'm pretty sure it starts with Magneto's origin story. And for those of you who don't know, or this is also listed, lifted from the comics, that Magneto is a Holocaust survivor. So part of what drives him is having seen as somebody who's not only a mutant, who was reviled uh, by the world. He was a Jew in 1940s Europe who was also reviled and put in a concentration camp. So mm-hmm. in the comics, he has the number on his forearm still. That was tattooed there by the Nazis. So mm-hmm. we see him in that first film being dragged away from his parents and his powers manifest for the first time. Mm-hmm. First class goes a step further and introduces us to Kevin Bacon's character. Kevin Bacon's character, who mm-hmm. is named Sebastian Shaw. Thank you, brain. And takes us <laughs> more into what happened to him after that initial scene. Yeah. It makes it way more personal. Right. The idea that he became a Nazi hunter. And hunted down the people from that concentration camp and he goes to Argentina in that film. That is, I think, so, so good. Like, you just get a clear idea of what drives him. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the, the heart of these X-Men films and in the comics as well as the struggle between Xavier and Magneto, who both want to protect mutants, but mm-hmm. have different ideas of how to go about it based on their life experience. They have a love for one another, but won't let, you know, they can't allow the other to get in their way. Yeah. And I think that that relationship is, boy, it's hard because that relationship is so at the core of the X-Men. That's, you know, that's Cap and Iron Man on whether or not the Sokovia Accords should be signed. It's two people who, you know, arguably mean well, having a different idea of how something should be pursued. I would like to give a, a bit of credence to Days of Future Past because in that version we get to see both the McAvoy Fassbender versions of Magneto and Professor X and the Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart versions. That run of comics, those like Chris Claremont storylines where it's like you're traveling, you're really you're, – you're, you're your own uncle's father's husband, but you're yeah. going to travel back in time and save it. They're very complex and weird, and they did the best that they could. Yeah. I don't think it was, you know, it was Brian Singer at the, who was coming back into the fold after having directed the first two X-Men films mm-hmm. and trying to marry those two universes. Right. And it's, it's okay. It's not as good as, as first class. It, it does its job well, but I also don't think that first class is the best X-Men film. Do you think, which one do you think X2 still beats, uh, oh man, this is no. tough. It's Logan. Come on. Wolverine solo films. Yeah, it's first fine. one's terrible. The second one's better. The third one is, is fantastic. Yeah, I, it, it features the fewest mutants that you know, and yet is the, the most well-crafted film. I mean, it's, it, but it's, that's like, I don't know. It's the same sort of, it's the same sort of problem, and I don't have a problem with it. I'm going to see it this weekend, and I'm or next weekend, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, the Joker movie. It's like I, I want to see a comic book movie. You know me; I'm a popcorn guy. Like yeah. Logan is a great movie, but it's a intense, dark character study of a guy who's been playing a role for 15 years, and it's gritty and dark and heavy and heady, 
And the yeah. girl in it's amazing. It's a, it's a great movie, but I don't think it doesn't feel to me like a Superman, like a Superman, a Superman movie, a superhero movie. <laughs> it feels like they got the team that made Breaking Bad to make a superhero movie. And they were like, you know what we need is grittiness and unshavenness. But that, that's who Wolverine is. I know it's it is based on, it's based on specific comic book storylines. It's yeah. based on the old man Logan stuff. So it's, it, it's not familiar to you because you don't, know the character like that right and that's okay I, I mean it's interesting that's that's what's good about this right is that i maybe know a little bit more about the comics than you do so we right. each have a different angle on what makes a film in a particular series the best mm-hmm. and as much as i like last stand and i think it's a good movie i think that logan is a better movie than and last stand or than first class than first class but definitely better than last it stand. might it might be This is tough. We can put them both in the finals if you want. Because Logan doesn't feel like a superhero movie. It feels like a character study. I think because X-Men has the most movies around it, I'm cut. Let's bring them both. So we're going to take first class and Logan. So, well, that, you know what? That's fine. We'll have an X-Men movie and a Wolverine movie. And a solo Wolverine. And of the Wolverine movies, wasn't there one where he went to like feudal Japan or something? The Wolverine. The Wolverine, right. In Japan. Not feudal Japan, but... Oh, it's modern day. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about everybody's favorite web slinger. All right. Well, look, this is a pretty easy one. Yeah. Uh, do you... Now, I know you love Spider-Man 2, and I love it also. Spider-Man 2 is... Oh, you know what? It's not an easy one then, because I was going to say, well, it's clearly into the Spider-Verse. It is clearly into the Spider-Verse, but I know you also like Spider-Man I love... I think Spider-Man 2 is perfect. I think Alfred Molina is the perfect villain. I think the reveal when Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man has his mask off and he turns around and Mary Jane has heard his whole speech to Doc Ock, realizing that he is Spider-Man, he is a good guy, He everything that's going... like. When she has her moment of clarity in that movie about who he is, it took my breath away. Uh, yeah, it's very, very, very good. It, it, and Doc Ock is a incredible villain. Alfred Molina is very good in it. It's still, it comes closer to getting Spider-Man than, Mm -hmm. than Spider-Man one does in terms of who he is. But in a world where we have Tom Holland Spider-Man, it just makes it makes every other Spider-Man seem inferior, except except Miles Morales, except for Miles Morales and Jake Johnson's uh, version yeah. of Peter Parker and Nicolas Cage's version of Spider-Man and yeah. Spider Pig and Gwen Spider Ham Spider Ham yeah. I mean Spider-Pig is, Spider Pig is the Spider Pig is the Simpsons that's, version that's for the Simpsons yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's it is it's perfect but Into the Spider Verse is so much better than Spider-Man Two. Which is a very, very, very good movie. Yeah. That it's like, what, a, what about Electro versus the kid from Social Network? <laughs> I, I do think he's, I do think Andrew you know Garfield what? is a great actor. I, I like Andrew Garfield a lot. I didn't like him for Spider-Man personally. Yeah. He wasn't, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't for me. Also, his head's too big and he looks like a Q-tip. Well, it's just his hair. <laughs> He's got big hair, but I do li- I I do like him a lot. I liked his Spider Man better, but his Peter Park again. It comes down to the writing and directing just weren't yeah. weren't my thing, and those didn't do well. And if, if I'm grateful to those films because if we didn't have them, we wouldn't get Tom Holland and Spider Man in the MCU. That and, yeah. the, and the email hack both helped tremendously. What email hack? That when Sony's emails were hacked, and that was how people learned that the deal was was maybe going to happen. 
and the public reaction to that helped, I think. Oh, was that the hack that happened after the interview? Yes. Oh, right. That's terrifying to me. Yeah, it is terrifying. Just the notion that a country is like, we don't like this movie you made. We're going to hack the entertainment company that made it. That's right. We're going to jump into it. So are you okay taking Into the Spider-Verse over Spider-Man 2? Yes. Okay, good. No, I, that, that, when I, when I professed my love for Spider-Man 2. Yeah. As the greatest Spider-Man movie, this was, I believe, before Into the Spider-Verse even was released. I saw that movie. It's one of those, it really is one of those game changer movies. Like, I think, yeah. uh, I was talking with a friend about this yesterday. I think that that movie will change animation the way that Toy Story changed animation. Because I think a lot of people watched it and went, oh, you can do this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything about it is... is, And the Easter eggs are amazing. There's an Easter egg in every frame. Yep. Yeah. It's it's a perfect movie. Super smart. All right. So shall we take a break? And then when we come back, we will pit our finalists against one another? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. All right. In, a, in an epic battle royale. But in the meantime... Please learn about some of the amazing other shows here on the Maximum Fun Network. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network? It won Best Comedy at the British Podcast Awards in 2017 and 2018. Also, I there were no horses in this country until the, the mid to late 60s. Specialist bovine arse vet. Both of his eyes are squid's eyes. Yogurt buffet. She was married to a bacon farmer. Who saved her life? Farm-raised snow leopard. Download it today. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast from MaximumFun.org. Also, maybe start at episode one, or weirdly, episode 36, which for some reason requires no knowledge of the rest of the show. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners, regardless of quality or content, with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name or a Medi- medication. medication. First-time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know how to participate follow dr game show on facebook instagram and twitter we'd love to hear yeah, from you it's really fun for the whole family we'll be every other wednesday starting march 13th and we're coming to max fun snorlax pokemon yes nice. okay let's do this <laughs> did you do that just so that there would be symmetry in the two segments of this show why did i say that okay you began with okay you know i have a habit and maybe this is something that started as i've as i've continued to age where mm-hmm. I just say the same word or come back to a term over and over again. Yeah. I did a recent Tights of Fights. We were interviewing a wrestler named RJ City. And apparently like 900 times in that interview, I said, I'm curious. <laughs> I don't know why. I for- Every time I forgot that I said it, I was just living in the moment. Yeah. And then that that was what came to me and I went with it. And apparently my brain knows three words and two of them are curious and okay. Um, so what, uh, yeah, do you have catchphrases? I've been, it's been pointed out to me that I have at least two have been pointed out to me, which are, uh, here's the thing, which makes me sound very mansplainy. Sure. And the other one is, I mean. You mean in everyday life you say that? In everyday life I say those things. You do. On this show you do a lot of, but we're not here to talk about X. Well, yeah, I do that on purpose. Sure. On this. Bring us back. Yeah. Do you have catchphrases? Yeah, those both sound. 
Those both sound very you. I don't know if I have catchphrases, do I? Now I'm trying you to hear think. You talk a lot. I do. Oh, boy, I, I do hear you talk a lot. So often. Ah. <sighs> I don't know. Do I? Now I'm getting. Now you know what, listeners. Listeners, let's start whatever the thread on Facebook is for this episode. Just, just throw some Hal Lublin catchphrases on there. What are things I say all the time? Let me know. I'm trying to improve. I'm asking for feedback. Don't say I don't like it. Just say you say this a lot. Yeah. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with catchphrases. I'm not going to stop saying. Here's the thing, and I mean, maybe you will. No, I like my I like my personal catchphrases. That's right. Be who you are. Live out loud. Yeah, exactly. You do you, buddy. You And that goes for everybody. Everybody do you. Listen, we may be here to talk about Marvel films, but I just want to take a moment for us to motivate you to be yourself. Yeah. And just because somebody says they don't like something doesn't mean that you need to change it. You can yeah. take feedback and decide whether it's objective or subjective. Unless it's something that we talk about on this show, because everything on this show has been, by its very nature, made objective and is ruled correctly for all time for all people. That's true. Do you find it weird? Do you, are you finding more? <laughs> and you're not on social media, I don't think, as often as I am. That's no. that's fair to say. Few are. That as you're involved with things that are, that, that are known, mm-hmm. that you encounter a lot of feedback about those things. And sometimes about you, that is given in a negative way. Yeah. How do you deal? How do you feel about that? Do you sort of like shrug it off? Um, some things I shrug off, some things gnaw at me, and some things I think, hmm, good one. I'll give you an example because <laughs> I know he's probably listening to this show. Okay. Our friend Q. I still remember this and I was like, oh man, that's really good. Talking about Blood and Treasure on the show where I have a Boston accent um, sometimes. Uh, He referred to my character, Father Chuck, as the pastor of the Church of the Meandering Accent. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, man, that's good. (laughs) I can't, I can't say nothing to that. That's really funny. That is really funny. Yeah. So like if it's if it's a good thing that makes me laugh I'm like yeah all right you got yeah. me Yeah 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 I mean you kind of have to let it go and that's something for everybody in everyday life too Yeah figure out you can decide yourself in the moment but you you know Yeah so obviously I pay attention to it because I had one in the hopper when you asked Yeah 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 yeah, yeah What yeah. about you oh, You don't get negative time. criticism though That's not true cuz I I'll put my opinion out there on a lot of stuff not only here but on other podcasts and mm-hmm. people will have a feeling about it. Either you're saying this too much or I completely disagree or you're 100% wrong. And, you know, when you talk about things that other people care about, it can get uh, heated maybe or a little personal. Mm-hmm. I, not even not personal about me, but it, like it's, it's a, something that's personal to you. So I just have to – people are going to say whatever they say and I cannot control it. Yeah. And I do not have to necessarily change what I'm doing. But I also consider – Feedback, I definitely think about it and I tend to internalize things. So I just go like, Oh, well, I'm terrible. I, yeah. I pick, I, I definitely key in on the negative in stuff. And mm-hmm. that's something that I've continually tried to work on just in life in general. And it, those are things that triggers that get hit when you're part of something that gets feedback. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also it's knowing you as well as I do. And I, I think this really goes for all of our people of the world listeners as well. Like, if there are things that you, Hal, enjoy that not a lot of the world enjoy, and sure. there are things that you don't enjoy that a lot of the world enjoys. Yes. And you know what? That is fine, man. Yes. You know what I mean? 
Like we go to bars. You don't drink beers. No, I drink beers. Yes. You know, that's a thing that a lot of people do that you don't do. There are movies that you love that not everybody loves. This like, is also true. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. every, but that's the beauty. Ah, I don't know. Now I feel like I'm get, we're giving the thesis for our show, which is just <laughs> like what you like. We're doing this for fun. Yeah. And also for all, and also for all time for all people. Isn't that the great thing about uh, our Facebook group, the few times you've been there and what I love about it and what the members seem to love about it too is that everybody can come together with their own opinions and have fun disagreements and And get like fights about it. Fake, fake mad at each other is my favorite thing in the world. It doesn't get personal. No. Like I love it. It just makes me very happy and I'm glad that that (laughs) people who listen to this get it. Yeah. And when you can, when you can see someone have an all caps, how dare you in something like best non cheese cheese food? You know what I mean? You're like, well, that's, (laughs) that's the, that's the crux of the show. One thing I did stop doing that I want to encourage people to keep doing is reviewing us (laughs) on Apple podcasts. Cause there are, wait, you were reviewing us on Apple podcasts. I don't, but people do. If you were to go. You would see reviews. You can sort them by most favorable, most negative. And mm-hmm. the negative ones are hilarious. Like there, like there are people like, I'm mad because something feels, uh, like poorly, not poorly researched from Kate's side, but like your argument, you said this and you didn't even do that. Like some of the reasons why people don't like the show yeah. are hilarious to me. I have nothing to do with us and everything to do with. Our, the, an opinion that we expressed on the show. Yeah. But, you know, hilarious to me. that's, you know, they're not wrong in that we are. Kate is always amazing. We are sometimes yeah. under-researched. Uh, yeah. Like when we pick the topic the morning of the recording. When did we ever do that? <laughs> speaking ever. of, speaking of, let's get back to our topic at hand. Okay. We've got the MCU finalists. or the non-MCU. Let me refresh you. Our non-MCU Marvel films up for finalists status are Logan, First Class, Into the Spider-Verse, and Deadpool. Do we really even need to? Like, those are all great movies. I didn't mean to. to I wasn't poo-pooing the idea of Logan earlier. It is an excellent movie. I was just defending First Class because I really like it. And we all know that the best defense is a good offense. Sure. Sure. but it's i mean you heard us listeners you heard us in the first half yeah i think it's pretty clear yeah people of the world it's a spider-man into the spider-verse yeah it's so it's so dense with reference that hardcore comic book fans can find new things every time they watch it there's so many easter eggs like you pointed out for people who don't really know any of the characters you know i showed it to jennifer Mm -hmm. and they they pointed out i think it was in an interview or in a commentary they were saying we had to in the first 30 seconds of the film make you fall in love with miles morales Mm -hmm. you had to love the character or else the whole film falls apart Mm -hmm. and they do it so well and you know like it pulls you in it the fact that it pulled jennifer in she cared about this kid who she has no knowledge of from the comic books and was along for the ride. It speaks volumes to how well crafted the film is. It's it, it, all the characters in it are extremely well performed. All the, the voice acting is top notch. Like you pointed out, the animation is kind of groundbreaking in mm-hmm. how it brings a comic book to life. 
Yeah. And it, it's invested in itself from, from the studio vanity card where you see like the, all the different alternate versions of Columbia, of Sony and Columbia pictures. Mm-hmm. It is a flawless film top to bottom. There's no, there is no flaw in it. The music is great. The characterizations are great. The story is great. And it takes something that should be really confusing and makes it make sense and has its internal logic as sound. Yeah. And it's the best non-MCU Marvel film. And word in the MCU, it might be the best MCU film. That is very true. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. There's a reason why it won the Oscar. And it wasn't even close in a year where Pixar also came out with great – like. It's not like Pixar made a bad movie. No. It's just Sony made a perfect one. Yeah. Asked and answered. Yeah. That's it. That's well, it. This topic is closed. This yeah. topic has been closed since before this episode started. That's right. Thank you, Kyle McCowan, for suggesting it. Thanks, Another Kyle. Another one on the show. That's right. Good job. There are many more topics to discuss, though, so please reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets. Check out the Maximum Fund subreddit or email us at WeGotThisPodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash WeGotThisPodcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners, for jumping into our own personal, we got this verse, <laughs> or we got this multiverse, where who knows what the other winners are. People are eating ketchup on hot dogs. Who knows? <laughs> um, but in all sincerity, uh, what we were saying in the middle of the episode really is true. Thank you for being the best, kindest, most wonderful podcast audience out there. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. Don't worry, everybody. We, we got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported